Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. Major privacy changes are happening on the web as regulation reshapes the landscape. Google will begin the process of restricting the use of third-party cookies on its Chrome browser next year, but it's also working hard to preserve targeted advertising and measurement on the web in a privacy-safe way. There have been a few iterations of tools and solutions within the Privacy Sandbox, Google's umbrella for creating privacy-safe ad targeting and measurement on the web. It's still a work in progress. David Temkin, Senior Director of Product Management for Ads Privacy and User Trust at Google, is leading the charge, working with the teams at Chrome and across the industry to allow advertisers to continue to access the tools they need to operate effectively. In this episode, he dives deep into Google's proposed solutions, the politics of navigating browser developers, different industry relationships and regulators, and how Google envisions a balanced experience for people and advertisers on the web. I'm Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hi, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us today. How's it going? Not bad. How are you, Allison? Doing well. Doing well. Excited to talk about all things privacy and user trust. So major privacy changes are, are happening on the web, obviously, both regulatory and technical, and, and Google and you specifically are, are at the center of them. Google is restricting the use of third-party cookies in Chrome within the next six months, which is coming up pretty quickly, but is also looking to preserve targeted advertising on the web. There's obviously a lot of news coming out of Google with the privacy sandbox, various iterations of tools that you all are building. Talk about where you're at now in the process. What's the latest? Um, what have you learned? And and you know maybe set the scene for where we are now in this journey. Yeah. Okay. So like setting the scene, like why are we even doing this? Uh, you know, we're kind of at a fork in the road right now as an industry. And you go down one path, and it's no targeted advertising, no personalized advertising. There's certain platforms, browsers, and that's how they see it. That's where they would like to go. We don't think that's good for the internet. We don't think it's good for an open internet or for publishers. Uh, And obviously, Google cares about an open internet. If you think about search, it's really all about that. Uh, You know, we think it's not only good for users, but good for us. And so we're aligned very much on that one. So, okay, on the one hand, something that undermines the open internet um, might be good for user privacy. Okay. Option two, alternatives where users remain tracked across the internet, even though we know loud and clear that they're not comfortable with this practice and have gotten less comfortable over time. Option three is the one that we're talking about right now. And as far as I know, Google is the only party going down this track. We're making a very, very big investment. We're working with the entire industry and Google ads is all in on this. This is a solution where we maintain user privacy, it becomes unnecessary to track users as they travel across the web and to create these dossiers, if you will, about them. And yet, it maintains uh, effective personalized advertising in a manner that resembles what we have today. And so that's sort of where we're coming from right now, fork in the road for the industry. And we have a path that we believe is calibrated to the needs of industry as well as to users. So let's talk about the solution. Let's take take three steps back. How would you define the privacy sandbox? And then maybe talk a little bit about some of the solutions that you've tested and 
what seems to be working? Because I know it's it's all iterative, right? It's all a process and you're learning as you go. Okay. I'm going to start by saying the privacy sandbox obviously is a lot of focus uh, on the part of industry. There's been a lot of discussion about it, but it is not the sole uh, track that we have with regard to private advertising. There are other very important pieces like, but let's talk a little bit about privacy sandbox at a high level. And I think there's a little bit of confusion out there. The privacy sandbox looks at today's advertising ecosystem and the Chrome team is driving this. I'm speaking as a representative of Google ads. Google ads is a major customer of these capabilities. We're providing a lot of input into Chrome, but Chrome ultimately is taking input from a lot of people, a lot of the industry, browsers, and regulators. We, you know, we have a big stake in it, just to put it out there, as does the rest of the industry. And so the intention of the privacy sandbox is go look at the advertising ecosystem today and identify what are the major use cases or capabilities that need to be retained in this future privacy safe world. And you have targeting, which is where we start, personalized advertising, and that's both interest-based and user list-based, remarketing, mm -hmm. category one. Another category is measurement, attribution, that kind of thing. How effective are the ads in the end? Uh, another use case is anti-fraud. How do you detect if these are legitimate clicks and conversions? And so all of those things, we look at those and we say, how can those be done without tracking users as they go from site to site. That's the intention. Deliver those capabilities without tracking. And it's kind of a long-term journey. This is software, right? We have an initial release here. And by the way, you mentioned it's not six months during which third-party cookies are getting kind of beginning the process of being deprecated. That is scheduled to occur mid-next year with the end of that process occurring late next year. Okay. So there's a little more time than I initially initially stated. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk about, but it's still it's still but, coming. But pretty does that make sense? By the way, like, what is the intention of it? it yeah, it, it, no, it totally makes sense. Um, I guess my question is like, what are the solutions right now? Because like, there's been a bunch of acronyms, right, that have been flying around the industry. There's Flock. There's Fledge. Talk about where you're seeing success now. I know marketers are testing the solution now. So talk about where you're seeing right. some so promising results. It's a good question. Um, you know, the, the dialogue around this has focused around the names of the APIs. <laughs> and that's probably not great. That's sort of like, you know, language that's better suited for browser developers and ends up being pretty confusing. Yep. Um, but there is, there's, there's two phases to testing here. And one of them is what... Chrome calls origin trials. And that's kind of like, well, capability is within Chrome and it's targeted at developers who are largely, you know, at advertising providers. And this is, you know, requires deep technical capabilities. You really need to understand what's going on in the browser. It's not kind of turnkey. The next set of testing, which has not yet commenced, is, you know, they can, well, there'll be multiple, multiple elements of this, but speaking for Google Ads, we are going to provide testing for, you know, publishers, use Google Ad Manager. That will be turnkey. They're not going to have to go in and make deep technical tweaks in order to use these capabilities. And that's going to start with, let's start testing targeted advertising. So talk about like, obviously, this is a big change for marketers, for publishers. Talk about like, how is the industry 
adopting this? Like, is there how much education does Google have to do? What are some of the latest concerns and criticisms about the solution from advertisers? Because this is, you know, it's more than just a technical change. It's also really like a mindset change, right? In terms of what's possible with targeting, what's possible with measurement, what signals are going to be available that weren't before. So talk about how you're navigating those conversations and sort of bringing the industry along with you on this journey. Right. In terms of adoption, the largest and most important thing is exactly what you're talking about. It is education. And I kind of opened up with, well, maybe not everyone understands it. And I think it's gotten quite confusing because of the acronyms that were focused on the APIs. And what is this thing? You've got Flock, you have Topics. Like, what is this? Actually, we don't have Flock. We pivoted to Topics in order to solve the same problem and in a similar manner. But okay, education is a huge part of it. And a lot of this is there's just anxiety about it. It appears to be a really large change. And in some ways it is. But again... The net goal of this is to deliver effective advertising and deliver the use cases that the industry is most reliant upon, right? Like I I listed them out earlier. Those are kind of invariants, but like until actual concrete real world data can be shared around, well, how is this working? How's it working in combination with other signals? Because it's not really, the privacy sandbox is not designed to be the only signal that's used here, right? Okay. Um, you know, how is this working? I think you're going to see a fair amount of anxiety and that's where we need to help. Not, you know, Chrome, obviously, but and other participants in the advertising technology industry, as well as us. And, you know, so over a period of time, I would expect that the progression of results are going to help a great deal and better understanding of what is this all about. So I've talked to people, you know, who are deep into this and they're asking things like, so you have topics and you have privacy sandbox. No, we have a thing called privacy sandbox. That's the umbrella. That's what's going to provide this private foundation to do tracking free, tra- you know, tracking free advertising that delivers on these core use cases. Yeah. Well, to your point, I mean, it is very confusing and it's it's very technical. Do you think that, and and I think that, you know, the advertising industry has obviously become more technical, much more technical over time, but I don't know that there's that same like test and learn mentality embedded in in the advertisers, you know, like being okay with testing and and adjusting and iterating. Um, Are you finding that that's where the anxiety is coming from? Or is it more just that, is it, is it fear of the unknown? Is it fear that of losing signals? Like what are, what are some of the concerns you're hearing from advertisers. Yeah, I think I'll take D all of the above on that one. And it all nets out to fear of the unknown. And you're right. I mean, look at in the end, Google is a software company, right? And the whole idea of test and learn and iterate on the part of, you know, Google internally, other products, even consumers, I think this is well understood. Like, well, we have a beta. Do you want early access to this? Oh, yeah, that doesn't quite work. We're, or how about the 1.0 versus oh, the 2.0 is a lot better. Oh, the 3.0 is awesome. The advertising industry rests upon software, but these are not, it's just not how people think right now. It's a mature industry. I mean, it, it makes a certain amount of sense. And you're going through a, wait, we're kind of like, you know, think about it. I got a table setting and it's got this wonderful China, it's got a vase on and it. it's got, you know, silverware and all that. And this is like, I'm going to pull out the tablecloth while, re- while keeping everything intact. It's a little, there's a magic act aspect to this and people are anxious about it. And uh, it makes sense. 
Well, to your point, is it possible to keep all the China intact? Like, is it fundamentally, is it possible to preserve user targeting while in the end measurement while enabling privacy on the web? And what are the trade-offs there? Like, what do you see as being the big trade-offs that advertisers are going to have to just stomach up and, and swallow? I don't know if it's going to be like, you know, it's kind of eat your broccoli or take your pills, which is how you're characterizing it. Okay. I think like what you, if you go to results rather than micro level technical capabilities, the results we're confident are going to be there. And the main use cases are going to be there in the industry when they say, when they see, well, this particular signal is gone. I'm anxious about that. I need that to do X. What we see going forward is that we're delivering on top of this new foundation provided by Chrome, we see an opportunity to deliver the core capabilities and the results that people need without that tracking. Let me give you an example. So you're talking about user targeting and, you know, in terms of interests, what is being provided when you look at third-party cookies? It's per user. It's precise. It leaves the user identifiable. Users aren't comfortable with that. Users aren't comfortable with a bunch of things. I'm going to come back to that, okay? But the question being posed was, how do you deliver that very valuable interest-based advertising uh, in a manner that doesn't track users? And that's what something like Topics is about. Topics, in the, it is a browser-based technology. You can think of it as an on-device technology where as the user moves from site to site, the browser is kind of looking at which sites the user's uh, looking at, and it's accumulating a list of, well, they're interested in topic A, topic B, topic C. And there's a lot of things done to keep that private so you don't have, hey, this user is interested in this set of topics that represents a unique fingerprint, right? So that that would enable the tracking that we're talking about. All right, now we're getting into technical land. But that's a thing, right? So instead of that, topics... Uh, like Flock before it is based on a notion of users are effectively in cohorts. There are other users who have matching sets of topics. And yet, when those users are receiving this personalized ads, you could call them group personalized in a way. It's sort of a contradiction in terms. Uh, you're still getting the results you need. You're still providing interest-based advertising. So that's a good example of it. That I think like people can wrap their head around um, the same thing when it comes to measurement. Effectively, what it's doing is it's through a variety of techniques, it's making it so that individual users cannot be picked out or do not need to be picked out to do appropriate measurement across websites as conversions occur. Mm. So, so the idea is, you know, as long as the results are there and advertisers can see that, then some of the, some of the anxiety and nervousness will go away. I guess my my question is, we're talking about these solutions like de-identifying users, putting them into cohorts, keeping everything anonymous. Um, I guess when you, when you think about how easy it is to find out people's locations and their IP addresses, how are you solving to make sure that these people actually cannot be identified on an individual level? And do you feel like this is kind of a two-part question, but in in the spirit of um, regulation that's coming out in the marketplace, do you think that the, the cohort level targeting is going to be is is going to fly under the law? Yeah, um, let's talk about a few things on that front. So you're asking about like the cohort level targeting. It's all based in idea that the user cannot individually be identified. I want to actually I want to rephrase this. 
you said make it impossible. The initial release of the privacy sandbox is all about giving you private, uh, sorry, giving you effective advertising as an advertiser, as a marketer, without having to track users, enabling a practice where you can get effective results without stepping on the toes or just kind of like being disrespectful of the user. And again, like users feel that digital advertising is out of control. They don't understand it. They can't control it. And by the way, we're making big initiatives into directly addressing the user on that front in order to give them more comfort. We recently announced a product called My Ad Center. So to shift that perception of this stuff's out of control, like what is this thing into something that looks a little bit more like, you think about this, right now, you may use Netflix, you get automated recommendations that are personalized to your behavior. You probably find that useful that you may use other products that are like, hey, here's some recommendations of news, you know, or I bought this. Maybe you might want to buy these other things. They're all super useful and they're all personalized and they help you discover new products and services that you wouldn't have otherwise discovered. Personalized ads are just like that, but users feel completely different about them. Mm. because they're out of control. That's the central problem we need to touch on. Well, yeah, I think to your point, users do feel that the tracking is is pervasive and, you know, can be feel a little bit out of control, but how much do you feel that making this issue transparent, explaining the value exchange between data and and privacy and and personalized advertising because you're right, like it's impossible to have you know, you're, uh, you're as easy as a solution on Netflix or Google Maps or anything where like that's all provided by data and personalized advertising. So how do you tell that story better to consumers and the open web part of the ecosystem? And, and where can Google sort of play a role in that? So, okay, you talk about value exchange and obviously users have a lot of different uh, viewpoints, right? There are people who are truly privacy, you know, ideologues almost. It's not a giant group of people, but they're influential and they've, you know, caused people to notice these concerns that we see as legitimate, right? Uh, you can't, it's not enough to go and say, why don't you go read this legal disclosure and you, you can get more comfortable with it or even the notion of value exchange, yeah, it's there. It's really important. But you start talking about that to the user. And on the one hand, hey, you can get access to this free content, which in the end is, you know, they, they view a certain way. And on the other side, they're seeing this unknown blob of entities that they don't know about who are creating profiles. I'll call them dossiers. It's very uncomfortable to users. You start talking about value exchange and immediately you're into the zone of, well, we're compensating you for what? for taking your data without your permission, it's it doesn't sound great, right? Yeah. The value proposition does make sense though. And again, you're down to, let's look at, let's compare a few things. Why might users be comfortable with Netflix providing these recommendations? Well, for one thing, when you're interacting, you as a user are interacting with Netflix, you're, it's pretty clear that Netflix has your data because that's what you're staring at. You're looking at their website or their app. Makes sense. But you as your, a user, you're on, I don't know, CNN. And what's really going on is these entities that are totally invisible to you are pulling out your data, collecting it and, you know, associating it with other data. That's a completely different situation. And so that's where, again, like, why are you talking about tracking? 
versus why might people, you know, you look at Netflix recommendations, why are they comfortable with it? So these are things mm -hmm. that we need to explain, but ideally you explain them by the product. I mean, you know, you, people are busy. They're not going to spend all day reading about this and you're not going to give them a tutorial. But, well, how does topics work? That'd be ridiculous, right? So like people get familiar with this by they actually experience the topic directly, right? Um, you asked about regulatory landscape. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Right. So a lot of the laws around this and the regulations around this are constructed around a concept that's called personal data, which really means, and it includes things like IP address, right? It, you know, anything that might allow a user to be tracked, I mean, specialist terminology, re-identified, once again, we don't use that with normals, right? Um, so anything, you know, is personal data from that point of view. But when you can move to something that is, in fact, cohort-based, and you can hide in a crowd, it's not personal data. And that's what we believe, right? When you're mm -hmm. talking about cohort-based data that is not identifiable, under those regulations, you're not dealing with personal data. Now, this doesn't mean that in the end, under some jurisdictions, a user might have to say, yeah, I'm okay with this. And that's the opportunity to tell the user what this thing is, why they should be okay with it, and what they get out of it. Not in terms of, you know, something that looks like, let's say, a Surgeon General's warning. Oh, you know, tw you know, like, this thing might kill you. But more in terms of, like, when you get a new app, it, you know, it typically puts you a bunch of screens. You can say skip, and a lot of people do, but it's like, this is exciting. You're getting things. And here's why it benefits you. Next, next, next. Okay. Right? There's a, they're serving the same purpose, and yet the advertising version of it is like this threatening legal construct. Well, I think to your point, um, and you see this with cookie consent banners, right? Like everybody just sort of clicks accept because it's just too much legal jargon. Nobody has time to read through a privacy policy. It's not really clear why you're handing over your data or why you need to accept something. Whereas when you're in a solution like Netflix or one of the Google products or any of the you know, more of the closed ecosystems on the web where you have a direct relationship with that company, it makes a lot more sense. And the product almost speaks for itself, right? Like you're getting these amazing recommendations of shows you want Netflix to remember where you left off watching. So, I mean, is there a way for the advertising industry to tell that story or is it just too complex? And what is the implications for the ad tech industry in that, in that scenario? You know, the cookie consent piece is something where, you know, we are seeing kind of greater and greater, uh, you know, enforcement in greater detail, right? Like, so we made a change recently in Europe in order to say, well, you know, for the cookie consents, it's not something that you can just click or ignore. It's an equally weighted choice. Do you want to take these cookies or do you not? Here's the pros and the cons of them. Most cookies consents right now are either you can just click off it and without saying anything, or you can say, okay, and whatever. And you're right. Users are getting habituated to, okay, okay, okay. Especially when, you know, cookies end up looking maybe more threatening than they ought to um, in those regards. I think that when you look at Again, there's a regulator perspective. There are things like e-privacy directive. There are things like GDPR. Um, some of them are, you know, genuinely well aligned with user concerns, like citing that piece about personal data. That just makes a lot of sense, right? Users kind of sharing personal data. Would it be better if we can get the same results without that? Yes. Um, 
do you want to take a cookie? I, it's not clear to me that people understand that or that it's really adding value from a privacy point of view. But there, that is something where the enforcement's getting tighter and we're looking down a track where let's be really clear with the user what the value proposition is. And if you start framing it that way, and again, you know, there's a difference between that and the Surgeon General's warning, you know, we're helping to tell the story and make users more comfortable with it, right? And you don't want a world where, you know, I'm, I'm facing with a lot of these, like a, just a continuous barrage of choices. And what I end up doing is hitting okay to all of them when, you know, that's, that might not be what I want to do, but right. I'm suffering a certain amount of fatigue from these permissions. Yeah, well, some of the issue is that, you know, like you said, Google and, and Privacy Sandbox is not the only solution out there, right? Like there's Unified ID 2.0. There's a lot of people working together with the W3C. Um, and, and in a lot of cases, these consent notices are left up to the publisher, right? Do you consent to us tracking you while you read this article? How do you solve for like control over the and transparency over the experience when it's so fragmented? Well, you, you're probably familiar with ad choices, right? Which is a system today where, you know, there's a consortium that provides a form of control that spans all of those providers and allows a user to, you know, make some choices, right? Um, it actually relies on third-party cookies itself. And so you're going to see a transformation there when it comes to what happens in the browser, the cross-site personalization, the privacy sandbox device side personalization, they're going to be controls within the browser that allow you to say, for example, what topics are you in? What site visits did I do to get to those topics? And so the browser itself is going to help with this, right? Now, our complement to that, when you look at Google advertising on our own sites, this is where my ad center fits in. And we've created a, a brand new product. It's been announced. It was announced at Google I.O. You're going to see it go live later this year. And that product, it's attached to a Google account. And we're giving users direct control associated with their account. I would like to see fewer of these ads. I would like to see more of these ads. I would like to see more of these ads from this brand or fewer of these. Also control over what data is used. I'd like to use this data to inform my advert, my personalized advertising or not, mm -hmm. or actually don't personalize my ads at all. And this product is being very, very clear about what the benefit to the user is. And it's allowing them to give us, uh, you know, to tell us, I actually like this. And users do like a lot of ads. We know this through surveys. That's not just click through data. Mm. And so Again, it's giving a user a stake in this, being utterly transparent, and the transparency is underlined by the control. Remember I mentioned like this sense of, hey, it's out of control. I don't know how this stuff works. Who's, I'm, I'm suspicious. We want it to be under their control. That's the biggest lever we've got right now, and it leads directly to comfort. And I'm distinguishing that from, let me tell you what the value proposition is. I'm going to give you a five-page document. Go read the white paper. It's, it's different. Yeah. So let's talk about my ad center. So obviously it's meant to empower users to control their own ad experience, which is great. But how are you getting people familiar with this? Are you pushing them towards it? Is it visible in Chrome or is it like hidden behind some kind of right. settings bar? Like how do you make them? It's because the onus is on them now to to decide. So right. how do so, you make so it easy? Quick, quick distinction here. Like um, when you're looking at like this cross-site sort of piece, you're there 
the browser provides the control for the cross-site experience that the user has. When a user is interacting directly with the site that they see on the screen, whether it's the New York Times or it's Netflix or eBay or whoever, that is a first-party relationship. And you're talking about something that is then controlled on that uh that entity's website. So in terms of what you're going to see from my ad center, we have put uniform, simple controls on the surface of all of the ads that you see across Google search, shopping, YouTube, and the discover newsfeed. Mm-hmm. And so the accessibility is pretty clear. It's right on the ad. One click and you see a panel within the context of, let's say the YouTube app doesn't take you out of the app. It's right there at your disposal. You want to do more tuning and get more control. You say, take me to the MyAd Center hub. And then you're inside the product and you have much more control. And so the accessibility is right out there. And we do plan to make this, you know, to promote it to users. But in the end, the main uh, lever is the ads themselves have the control on them. Mm. And it's pretty clear and obvious what it is. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about Chrome and how you work with that team. I know that, you know, they're sort of in the driver's seat here in terms of like what's going to be permissible on on the browser. And I know that, you know, there have been reports that maybe advertising isn't always the top concern for the Chrome team. How do you sort of come in and sort of like play the the part of you know working with them and, and helping them to consider advertising and understand that it is crucial from your point of view? A couple things on that. The Chrome team is not in the advertising business. They are not creating offerings that are supported by advertising. Chrome itself is not, you know, you don't see ad units in Chrome, right? It's a different kind of thing. It is a web browser for the world. It's not a web browser that supports Google specifically. And that means they're in Open development, they're taking feedback from a lot of parties, including the industry, including regulators, including advanced users as they build it out, and uh, the browser vendors themselves. Ideally, there's an aspiration. Chrome would like to see these things become a standard just as part of you know all of the capabilities that the web offers right now. Um, like The two of us are now talking through a web browser-based video chat, you know, it's streaming audio and all this stuff. You know, 15 years ago, browsers didn't do this stuff and it got standardized. And I, you know, I'm talking to you through Chrome, but I could be talking to you through another browser and this would still work. Like that's a powerful thing. So standardizing, this is something that uh, Chrome knows how to do. Now, when we talk about like they're not in the advertising business, the incentives, I, their incentive is real, but it's different from how Google Ads is thinking. Browsers and not just Chrome have a major stake in making the web free and open, right? Like it needs to be kind of like competitive, you know, with apps, but it has this attribute of an amazing amount of content from an amazing number of people, right? The spectrum of what you can get on the ads, uh, sorry, on the web, as compared to what you might get in a dedicated app, content-wise, enormous, right? They do have a stake in this, but it's a little different. And, you know, as far as like, Google ads and the rest of the advertising business. One al- analogy might be like if you're familiar with um, software that's used by corporations, like what, enterprise software, so-called. Okay. You know, typically this, this sort of category of software works by the software vendor 
learns the business of its customers. It takes feedback from the customers. And over time, it incorporates the requested features in order to get their companies feeling more comfortable, continuing to engage with it, continuing to use the product. Like you're using Salesforce, they're taking input from I don't know all their customers in order to do this. They're looking at what do people need? Like let's what rises to the top of the stack. It's a similar kind of thing. We are a very large customer of what Chrome is doing. Right. And we can inform Chrome, say, look, we've got like pretty much every use case in terms of ads somewhere within our product suite. And we can say, well, we kind of need to do this for this reason. And Chrome can say, cool, thank you for that. Let me compare with what other people are asking for. And let me balance that against our other constraints. That's the sort of dynamic here. Interesting. So how much does, um, what role does the W3C play also in, in balancing that feedback and narrative? Because I know that's, that's the working group where a lot of this discussion is happening. Do you feel like there's too much noise going on in order to inform the solution? Is there too many working groups? Is the, is there, is there, does somebody need to lead the charge on this? And is that Google? Google is driving this in the sense that we are creating proposals that are shared with the rest of, you know, the web development community in that venue, right? So we've, we've delivered something on the order of 30 different proposals, some of which have fallen by the wayside, some of which have been refined, you know, some of which have been actually modified by virtue of other participants. Now, this is another case where the world of software development and their Chrome is, you know, they are a, you know, in a, a software development situation, they have a way of working. There's a disconnect with, again, what are the, how does the ads business work? The ads business is used to things like, well, Google announces a new product offering for marketers. Go sign up here. Here are the capabilities. And it works. It's done. That's a much more typical pattern. There might be early testing, but it's simplified. What Chrome is doing is a tried and true method to get to consensus-driven, industry-wide adopted. You know, it looks messy. They're developing in a fishbowl. You can see all of this stuff. And there's a little bit of, you know, they're arguing. There are terms that can't be understood. Like it's not, you know, this is not like um, accessible to, you know, non-technical people or even to typical, you know, marketers or even people in ad tech. This is a different level of discourse, but it's a tried and true method. This is how you get to something that works for the industry. It might be kind of like it might seem disorderly, chaotic, slow. Oh, my God, there's too many voices, you know. Who's really driving the ship? The ship gets steered. It has for a long, long time. The web is very much viable. I don't know what browser you're using, and I don't need to know. That's a really amazing thing. And, you know, we hope to get to that end point here. So, Crystal Ball, how long do you think it's going to take for the dust to settle here? Are we talking years? Look, the Chrome team is consulting all the time with the various parties involved here, taking in data and so on. The plan remains that third-party cookie removal begins mid-next year and is concluded by the end of next year, which provides a lot of time for people to do a lot of things. But there's some unpredictability here, and some of it's driven by regulators and some by the industry, Mm -hmm. right? So that's kind of what's going on. And that's, you know, my crystal ball is what we've been saying. That's what I got. Test and learn. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of regulatory changes, and you know that's always going to be a a concern in terms of the technical changes happening on the web. There were some 
very major legal happenings last week in the United States. Roe v. Wade was was overturned. And there's a lot of implications for women's privacy, women's health. Um, is Google on the privacy front, like how are you addressing this in terms of tracking, IP address, location, um, making sure that, you know, women's privacy is protected in this in this new world that we're living in? That's a great question. Um, it is something where we recognize that it has serious privacy implications. And those privacy implications are broader than ads, but they impact ads. So there's a lot of discussions going on right here. We don't have anything specific to share right, right now, but it is very much on our radar topic of active discussion. Okay. So a little bit about you. You were previously at Brave, which is a privacy-focused browser, a big privacy advocate. What from your time there are you taking to your approach at, at Google? Brave is a lot of things, and it's an interesting company. It's you know it's important that there's someone with that kind of a voice in the market. But when I saw the opportunity come to Google, what I thought was really interesting about it was Google is basically taking a very similar tact, which is we don't want to be tracking users, and we want to deliver advertising that that will sustain publishers without tracking. That was something that was very attractive to me at Brave, and they do share that orientation. And doing that at scale at Google, that's a, that's a privilege in an industry-wide affecting process that I'm now participating in. I mean, it's not just Google, okay? It's, it's, we've talked about this, but it's, it's industry-wide. And I'd say like, you know, Brave, like a lot of other browser vendors, very sensitive to tracking. They understand that's not a user-desirable practice. Uh, and unlike some other browsers, they are, you know, they believe that advertising when private is an important thing. Mm -hmm. And so the gap between a Brave and a Google might not be as large as it appears. Um, but those are the things that attract me to Google. Doing this at scale for the industry and you know, driving toward a place where we do have a sustainable internet, publishers being able to do what they can, marketers being able to market. Uh, while respecting user privacy. Mm. Well, seems like there's a lot of work happening, but also a lot of work to be done. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat with me about all of this and uh, hope to stay up to date on, on what's going on on the privacy front. We'll definitely be covering it. Thank you, Dave. Awesome. Thank you, Allison. Take care. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.